Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hello, everyone. And joined with us live and in person. In person? In the flesh. In the studio. Are you not a real person? In Studio VB (laughs) is Sandra Rollett. Hey. Scotty Rollett. Hello. How are you guys doing? I'm doing Good. awesome. What do you guys think of Studio VB? It could Man. use some upgrades. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Getting the ambiance. Got the uh, Christmas tree over in the corner. It is Advent. All, all very much uh, this gonna come decorated for the season. Well, I know. I know this comes out after Christmas, but we recorded it. Before Christmas. Before Christmas. With brownies. We're eating brownies. And Christmas trees. Some people do leave their tree up for quite a while. If you would like to find out more about Awakening Reformation podcast, go check out rebellinesmedia.com for two other podcasts, the Rebel Podcast and Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kid podcast that we do with our kids. We would greatly appreciate it. Tonight we are continuing our series through the Manual of Christian Doctrine by Louis Burkhoff and our Bite Size Burkhoff tonight is going to be on a very popular and hotly contested Topic. Sorry. It's already making Sandra sneeze. Excuse me. She has allergies to the doctrine of predestination. No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I do not. It's the other one. (laughs) Which one? (laughs) All of them. Oh, all the other ones? (laughs) Just not this one. So, predestination is the topic for tonight. So, predestination. Burkhoff points out that this topic naturally... And logically flows out of our last topic, which is the topic of God's decrees. What predestination deals with is the idea that God has already determined the destiny of all of his moral creatures. That's pretty much what Burkhoff says at the beginning. God's predetermination of Mm -hmm. the destiny for all his moral creatures. So that's essentially really a really basic explanation of what it is. So when he talks about um, God's rational creatures being predestined, what would a rational creature be? Would a rational creature be then someone who has the ability to make a rational decision? And this doesn't mean that someone is rational, but that they're made in the image of God to be able to make a decision. So even though... Like a child is born with Down syndrome and maybe aren't the most rational of humans. Uh-huh. They're still made in the image of God and therefore predestined. Right. Well, and their, their estate, mm-hmm. uh, if you were to take away the fall, would be that of uh, pure Rational, rationality, yeah. you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. But not just image bearers. We talk about angels as well. Yep. Yeah, that's who we're talking about. Predestination in broader sense of the term refers to all God's rational creatures. It bears on all men, both good and evil, and not merely as groups, but as individuals. Moreover, this decree also includes the angels, both good and evil. The Bible speaks not only of holy angels and of wicked angels who kept not their first estate, but also makes explicit mention of elect angels. 
thus implying that there are also non-elect angels. He says, Christ as the mediator was also the object of divine predestination. This simply means that as mediator, he was the special object of God's good pleasure. Yeah, because we see that election is in Christ. An election, like, let's describe that word, because there might be people who don't understand what election is. Election is simply the sovereign act of God choosing for himself a people, right? Yeah. And it's not just a people, like he says, like, as a group, it is individual as well. Right. To salvation. So if there are elect angels and elect humans, Mm -hmm. what we mean by that is simply that God chose for himself those people to be his people. Yeah. Well, and if, I mean, we could... Or angels. You could even use it in the form of, like, we elect people in our government. We Mm -hmm. choose them. Right. Exactly. To be our president, our son, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that brings us into the two parts of uh, predestination, which the first one is election. You have the election of Israel, as in uh, the people, yep. uh, for their special service and for special privileges. Uh, then it goes into the election of individuals. So you have uh, individual election uh, for some office or uh, for a special service. So God appointing people uh, into positions. Yeah, like prophets, the prophets. Priests, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into the election of individuals to be children of God and the heirs of eternal glory. So thus, the uh, going back to uh, what Eric said, uh, God's eternal purpose to save some of the human race in, uh, in and by Jesus Christ. So people like this doctrine a lot. Well, I think it's the second part of election that people don't like. Because <laughs> people like being chosen for great things. Like Everyone likes being chosen for most likely to succeed they right. like to be first picked on yeah. the uh, dodgeball team. Exactly. Yeah, I, never loves... liked, I never liked that either. <laughs> well, <so. laughs> You're not competitive. <laughs> but like, it's the ones that don't get picked, right? That the get upset. So the next paragraph that Burkhoff explains is reprobation. And this is the part of the doctrine of election that explains that those whom God did not choose for eternal life, he passed over them and left them in their sinful state to be justly punished for eternity. He also purposed not to save others. Yeah, it's just the logical other side of the coin, Yeah, essentially. It's the manifestation of his justice. So, Burkhoff doesn't talk about this, but like just going to Bible college and hearing people talk, I've often heard the doctrine of reprobation referred to as double predestination. Yeah. But it's really not double predestination. It simply is just predestination and its logical implications. Yeah, it really is exactly what you said. There's, this is the weeds, and, I, and I'm not super clear on it, so maybe we'll just cut this out. But there's a, something they say, um, the equal ultimacy, like in the exact same way that God predestined those to eternal life is the exact same way that he chose those for damnation. Mm -hmm. But it can't be true because with the sinner, their their estate, their state of being is not changing when God chooses to pass by them. Do you know what I mean? He didn't take a good person and make him a bad person. Exactly. Whereas the sinner is being changed into a child of God, Mm -hmm. given a new heart, given a new... 
you know, they are made a new creation and are born mm-hmm. again. And all, so they are changing from one state to another, whereas the sinner used their free agency to sin, allowed by the sovereign decree of God. Mm-hmm. And now in their state of sin, they are left there. Right. So it isn't equal ultimacy. I think that's the term there. We can speak of injustice only when one party has a claim to another. If God owed forgiveness of sin and eternal life to all men, it would be an injustice if he saved only a limited number of them. But the situation is quite different where all have forfeited the blessings of God. No one has a right to call God to account for electing some and passing by others. He would have been um, perfectly just if he had not saved any. Yeah, and this is where... Our Western thinking has seeped into the church because, and I remember thinking this way, mm-hmm. that this is just so wrong. Everyone should be given like the, a fair chance, a fair shot. Everything must be fair, fair, fair. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's an injustice. And in our egalitarian equality, everyone's the same. There's no distinctions. There should be no hierarchy. No one should be better than, you know, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. All of those ways of thinking. Which many of them we're thankful for. Well, yes, of course. We're all in, in, Amer- in America. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like we're not, we're not downplaying those things necessarily. No, I'm just saying when some of those ideas seep into the way we interpret the Bible, mm-hmm. it screws us up. Right. And it's because God is holy and owes us nothing. Mm-hmm. And we have all sinned against him. There are none righteous. No, not one. And so for him to choose any is amazing. It's an amazing act of mercy and grace that he does that. I do think it's important to note, though, that in as much as he chooses for himself and elect people, he also chooses the reprobate. Mm -hmm. It's not just cause and effect. There actually is an active, I guess, passing over of God. And I know that there's a lot of, like, technicalities. People say, well, God didn't choose to have reprobate people. He just passed over them. Mm-hmm. But that's illogical to me because if God chooses to pass over, he's still making a choice. Right. So it's, and it doesn't make any sense to me. Right. And obviously still nothing happens without God decreeing it. Right. Before everything was created, before all the heavens mm-hmm. and earth were created. I'm going to get into that in a minute too. Yeah. And yeah, you're kind of leading us into the next section here. Right. Yep. But I think you're right. I think by going too soft on the reprobate, reprobate side of things mm-hmm. almost kind of takes some sovereignty away from God. It does. And it's because we try and play word games because we are uncomfortable with just saying like God chose people to spend eternity in hell. Right. And that feels wrong to our senses. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't want to be the bad guy on the end saying this this person, he's choosing to pick us, but he he might not pick that person. Well, yeah, because when you say that, you know, other people come back to you and say, well, then aren't you just so special that he chose you? Exactly. But you want to say, no, I'm not. Like, I, he shouldn't have. Well, this is where the term election kind of is interesting, too, because, like, in a sense, the yes, we are elite. That's just the, right. Like, if you yeah. are elect, you are elite. <laughs> but it's not because of our own doing. You right. Know? It's never because Ephesians of our own makes work. that very clear. Yeah. So, yes, we are elite, but not of our own doing. It's, it's all of Christ and it's grace so mm-hmm. that no one can boast. Right. Well, and I think a lot of it also depends on kind of where you're, you're placing yourself in everything. Yeah, how you view yourself. Yeah, how you exactly how how are you viewing yourself? 
Are you viewing yourself as the one who knows better than God? Or and what, and it doesn't matter what side you're on when you're viewing yourself that way. Like if you're the Christian viewing yourself as I'm the elite, I'm so perfect and wonderful, there's a problem there. Well, you don't understand Be- election yeah. if that's the case. Exactly. Right. And if you're on the other side saying, oh, well, God's just not, I mean, that's just not fair and that's not right. I mean, you're still in the wrong. So it's all on how yeah. you're you're viewing God's sovereignty and where you're placing yourself on that pedestal. Like, because mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with any of us. It's all to the glory of God. People will say that all the time about like Calvinists. Like, oh, they just think that they're so much better than everyone else. I don't think I've ever met a Calvinist who literally says, God chose me because I'm perfect or I'm awesome or I'm better than someone else. It's what they yeah. understand. I've heard them, yeah. I've heard them be like maybe cocky in their doctrinal understandings or whatever. Yeah. But I have heard way more Arminians be haughty in their choosing of Christ than I've ever heard Calvinists who properly understand election. Right. And I've experienced more Calvinists that are actually more careful to not even call themselves or anyone good. Right. They're like, no, no, there's none good. No, not one. Like they... They are even more careful to not give yep. themselves more credit than what's due, which is none. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they actually are aware of their depravity mm-hmm. and what it took and how much grace it was that they are saved. And so they're careful. Even in a Calvinist cage stage, though, they're never like, I'm so much better than all of you people. That's why God right. chose me. It's usually like, you don't understand this awesome doctrine. Let me shove it down your throat. It's Which more, is still different. It's right, more yeah. of the, bad, but different. Yeah, yeah, true. It's more of the, I'm more wretched than you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, I'm more wretched. You I don't realize how soul. much grace it took to save you. <laughs> Do you know what I did yesterday? <laughs> Not to say there aren't people out there like that, but I'm just trying to make it. Well, the knowledge puffs up. It you can. know, And it's always difficult to to handle and work through when God does open your eyes to parts of scripture and you see that a lot of Presbyterians are people that they realize the depths of covenant theology or a new eschatology. You just get excited mm-hmm. and you got to work. You got to sanctify that excitement. But a lot of people just want, they want to be, they want to be in control. But that's not an excuse to throw mm-hmm. a truth either. Mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. because you have a tendency to come across as haughty or like a know-it-all, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Exactly. So, this leads to the question of supra and infralapsarianism. Those are great words. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to stick with uh, supra and infra because okay. uh, the lapsarian, uh, though I think I just said it correctly now, uh, will become a tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> this will become an issue rather quickly. <laughs> so, the doctrine of predestination has not always been presented in exactly the same form. Supra and infralapsarians were pitted against each other and even now exist alongside of each other in Reformed circles. But there's still only one true way. So this is a <laughs> inter-Reformed debate. This was a debate we had in our marriage and disagreed on for a while. It's true. There were a lot of those ones. It's probably <laughs> one of the only ones that I actually came across on the other side as the winner of. Maybe. Actually, mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about it here in a second. Okay. okay. <laughs> so what now a, a lot of you and I remember when I first had learned of this, I was totally lost. I mean, there are all these Latin terms thrown at you and it's all about God's decrees and the order of God's decrees. And it can be super confusing. So hang on with <laughs> us. We're going to try to explain it and get this out because it's kind of fun. 
And uh, here we go. Here we go. I'll Ready? go ahead and raise my hand on that one, and and not a white flag. Yeah. Uh, with <laughs> a, a little bit of uh, confusion as I was uh, reading through this myself. Yeah. Can you just break it down, Barney style? Okay. So the the different views of Lapsarianism pertain primarily to the order of the divine decrees. The question is whether in the plan of God, the decrees of election and reprobation precede or follow the decree to create the world and to permit the fall. So basically, to break this down as simple as we can make it, make it what the whole debate about infra versus supra is really whether or not when God was planning all things. Right. So before God created the heavens and the earth, he decreed how it was going to go. Right. And this is Ephesians 1. Read Ephesians 1 and you realize that God made all these decisions before time began. Right. So we're not making this up. So where the Ephesians debate 1. lies... Okay, so basically the dif- the difference in a very condensed nutshell, to make it as simple as possible, so don't get caught up in my, my terms so much, the difference would be when God was deciding how he was going to ordain things to pass, did God choose to save a people before or after he chose to allow for them to fall in sin after creation? Exactly. What came first? He decreed that people would be elect or he decreed and chose that people would fall after creation. So it was creation, fall, and then he chose or it was he chose a people for himself, chose reprobate, Mm -hmm. then chose to create and then chose to allow mankind to rebel against him. That's pretty much it. A Puritan wrote uh, a whole thing on lapsarianism. Uh, William Twiss, who is actually the prolocutor for the Westminster Assembly when they wrote the confession. And you can find it online. It's a PDF-free, downloadable William Twiss, and it's on laps- lapsarianism. I think the title might be super long, but if you look for lapsarianism in the title, you'll find it if you want to really get into this and you're that kind of theology mm-hmm. nerd. And for those of you who are, like, struggling with the term lapsarian, <laughs> you just got to think of, like, time lapse. Like, how did time lapse lapsarianism? There you go. That's a good... It's an easy way to just remember yeah, that's the term point out. lapsarian. The supremacy and the emphasis on God's sovereignty lies with superlapsarianism, which is why I carried myself over to that camp. Because You was- carried yourself or I drug you? Drugged? Or dragged him. Either one I'm okay with. <laughs> you drug and dragged <laughs> me over. Because I would have said I was infra for many years. Mm-hmm. So let me quickly read through them then, okay? Okay. So the supra-lapsarian order is that God first decreed to glorify himself in the salvation of some and in the damnation of other men, who at this stage existed in his mind only as possibilities. Secondly, as a means to that end, he decreed to create those already elected or reprobated. Thirdly, for the consummation of the plan so far formed, he further decreed to permit man to fall. Finally, he decreed to open up a way of salvation for the elect and lead them to everlasting glory, passing the others by and consigning them to everlasting destruction for their sin. So that would be the order of things if you you would be super lapsarian. That was God's blueprint before... He actually created the world. Yeah. If you would be an infralapsarian, this would be the order of decrees. 
First, that God decreed to create man. Then he decreed to permit the fall of man. Next, he decreed to elect a certain number of the fallen and justly condemn the race to eternal life and to pass the others by, consigning them to the everlasting destruction for their sin. Finally, he decreed to provide a way of salvation for the elect. And this position is the order officially adopted by the Reformed churches in the Canons of Dort. I know Scotty was just talking about that a minute ago. Yeah. In our church, we sometimes recite the uh, Canons of Dort. And- Do you really? Yes. That's awesome. Like you read sections of it or whatever? Yes. You read a canon? Yes. <laughs> we actually read them out in uh, during service uh, as as a church body. How, how Dutch of you. <laughs> and and this is one of those parts where I struggled with saying because I didn't always. What uh, he's saying is we stay quiet during this part. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't profess that canon. We don't profess that particular no, canon. No lip service was given during, <laughs> during the reciting of this section. We we silently, you know. So you pray for the salvation. We, we of silently the souls pro- of God's pro- elect. professed the section of this book <laughs> of the superlapse area. So I remember reading this and thinking, well, this, I do like this one a whole lot more, but the more I read it and think about it, I realize the reason why I like it is because it's dependent on man's decisions in a sense, because it's only after God allows man to do something that then God acts and does something. Yeah. God's more reactive in an infra, infra mindset. Yeah. 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 And so now I look at it and I go, I don't believe that God is reactive to us at all. He's proactive. Yeah. He is proactive and he is the one that has chose whatever so comes to pass. Yeah. So we want to hear from the listeners. Tell us which one you are, whether you're supra or infra in the comments. Well, and I think to be fair to the people who are infra, because there are incredibly intelligent, orthodox, Christian, like reformed Christians who are infra. Yeah. yeah. They're not Arminian. And I know that it became, I personally think logically it kind of would lead you to more of an Arminian type of theology, um, soteriology, but they would not claim that. I mean, they would, they would be very offended by me even just... Yeah. suggesting that. And they would say, no, of course, God is sovereign. We're not saying that mankind still chooses to be elect or chooses, right. like, they would reject that. And so we don't want to, like, misconstrue that aspect necessarily, simply that if mankind has fallen first before God has elected a people unto himself, then it does make God reactive to a fallen mankind rather than God ordaining mankind mm-hmm. to fall, knowing full well when he elected people, they were going to rebel against him. Like that, we're, right. If you're super, you do believe that. Like God yeah. knew that wasn't like, okay, I'm going to elect a people to myself. Oh, dang it. They're going to fall. Like in some sense, he knew all of the aspects of salvation yeah. and redemption prior to any of his decrees. Yeah. There's a lot of things to think about. It can, it can get so muddy so fast. And these are... Decrees of God that are made outside of time. Yeah. They're all made instantaneously in a sense. And mm, you gotta be careful there. But there are there is an order of <laughs> decrees though. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is like two Yankees fans arguing who's the best Yankee that ever played. This is a intramural debate. This is yeah. reform people just nitpicking at stuff. Yep. And so 
if you're in for a, I know we just kind of lay down our big Supra uh, gavel here, but like it's really not that big a deal. This is like the last doctrine I will really right. be that heated about, which is why I think it would be kind of fun to have people say whether they're Supra or Infra and have a fun discussion. Unless you're going to get angry and mad, then just <laughs> keep it to yourself. <laughs> then then just message me and we can talk. Yeah. <laughs> So with this, would you say but, this was a minor issue or a major issue? Well, I think... Amidst the two options, it's minor. Yeah. Amidst all of the options possible, it's major. <laughs> yes, good way. Yeah, that's good, babe. If you're not one of these two positions, then it's a big issue. Yes. So there you go. Sure. I hope that was as much fun for you listeners as it was for us. Hopefully more, honestly. Yeah, we're hoping. <laughs> we pray. We pray it was. But thank you for listening and getting your bite-sized burk off with us again today. We hope you tune in again next week for another episode. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time, get get woke! Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gain, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart. From original sin, the effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark. State, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3.